Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Bless You Boys podcast. BlessYouBoys.com is your home for all things Detroit Tigers baseball on the SB Nation platform. I'm your host, Brandon Day. With me is Ashley McLennan. We've got a bunch of exciting and also super lame stuff to talk about, whether it's uh, the Tigers doing more cool things, um, although not everyone is thrilled. And uh, yeah, and then we also have the lockout and a whole bunch of nonsense and the players, uh, you know, response to all this and all that kind of thing so we're going to talk about both of those two subjects in general um but yeah actually um i mean it's just been uh it's just been quite a week in baseball news <laughs> like good grief i'm exhausted i had jury duty this week i didn't sleep because we signed javi baez at like they're well they or john morosi tweeted that thing out at like 2 a.m right as i was falling asleep yeah. and i was like oh god i've got to get up and write this it's just yeah i'm dragging I cannot remember an off season that's been this way. And like, it's, it, I don't know if it's just because it's such a counter to the way the last like two or three years have gone where it was like such a drag and you're kind of waiting to be the first team to like bite the bullet and pick up a free agent and guys are sitting around until January and it's just like, okay, when's the stove going to get hot guys. Yeah. And this time around, I mean, obviously we know the reason for it. It got hot real quick because they had to do it all by the non-tender deadline. Yep. They knew the lockout was coming. And so when you know you've got a firm deadline, you want to get things done and you want to get them done fast. So it, it was just bonkers to me. There was a period last week where I think in two to three days, over a billion dollars got spent yeah. on free agents. And I think the Texas Rangers spent half of that. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, and it was just, it was like watching like a feeding frenzy happening. And I just can't remember a time in baseball when it was that exciting and yeah. that fast paced. And I think that there's something to be said for it from a point of view of wanting to like bring in fans and fan interest because man, what a way to have people paying attention to what's happening in baseball. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I, I think it was it was like what people imagined the winter meetings used to be like. And maybe the winter meetings were like that, but, you know, but, but probably back, you know, 10 years ago when social media and, you know, just just in general wasn't quite as just dominant, you know. The finger wasn't quite on the pulse the same way. Yeah, it wasn't. Well, everything wasn't being announced immediately. Um, you know, the, the rumor mill wasn't quite so so fast and furious you also don't, didn't used to have like 10 million randos you know trying to pretend to be someone else or trying to <laughs> pretend to be someone in general and, and spouting rumors so yeah it's just uh yeah it's uh, it's definitely changed but this season i mean there's just been nothing like it and then on top of it we actually got you know the tigers being like the first team to do a bunch of things and then you know trading for tucker bernhardt the, the day the off season started and yeah and then the first big deal was Eduardo Rodriguez. There wasn't was, well, nothing on that scale had been signed yet. And then, yeah. And then finally rolling through and getting their shortstop. Um, Mr. Javi Baez, who, you know, as a Cubs writer, you're obviously super well familiar with. I mean, like without all the, the details of the contract, and all that, like what was your reaction to, to having Javi Baez to watch again on the Tigers as their shortstop? I, so I think it was cautious joy. In that there are few players, I think, in modern baseball who have such an obvious passion and love for what they do and wear it so openly on the field as Javier Baez. Like, he is just 
he's dynamite. Like he's so fun and he's so charismatic and he's just like a spark plug excite. Like I hate using those stupid baseball phrases, but he is just charming and exciting and he kind of lights up in a presence. And then there's like the baseball writer analytics part of my brain. That's like, Oh, that's, that's the best we could do. eh? Because I mean, as a middle infielder, sensational. So happy to have his defensive glove. He does make stupid mistakes sometimes because he can get like you know, a little over-invested in the flash. Yeah. But I mean, we're not talking stupid mistakes like having Nick Castellanos at that base, right? Like <laughs> it's going to be very different than having, obviously he shortstop Nick was third base, but you know what I mean? In that like general vicinity, we're not going to see those same kind of plays. Um, and I, I think, yeah, the bat suffers, but at the same time, we're talking Comerica versus Wrigley. We're going to see a very different side of him. I think he's going to leg out an, a massive amount of triples. It's going to be absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. And, and I think he did better last year with the Mets than he had previously. So I think that there is an opportunity there for him to improve his bat. Yeah. And I I think with the Tigers and under AJ Hinch, we could see a turnaround there. Like I'm not ready to take 2021 numbers and be like, that's where he is now. That was half a season with the specific team, but like, I don't know. I I'm not mad about it. I mean, it was 140 (laughs) million for six years. That's a bargain for a pretty decent shortstop in my opinion. It's just, yeah, it's just tough to get a shortstop for the kind of prices people think of for, you know, like a corner outfielder or something like you're always going to pay more than you wanted to. And I think, you know, we can get caught up too much in the contract itself, as opposed to just like how much this changes the Tigers, like the Mm. the actual impact on the Tigers is a lot bigger than it would be if, you know, if he'd gone to a place that had like a decent shortstop, and now you're getting a pretty good shortstop, you know, obviously with some swing and miss issues. Um, I mean, the impact is big. I, I was, when we were talking on the site about Javi Baez getting like, you know, four or five years at 20 million a piece, I was perfectly, perfectly happy to sign Javi Baez. I had a little bit of concern about like adding a little bit of extra money in years, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to get too worked up about that. And I think, um, I think the problem with, with Javi Baez it is sort of that there's two there's two things that people wanted out of the shortstop signing like one is the actual player and two is chris illich to you know completely prove that he's going to spend a bunch of money on this team and and be the man you know and, and be aggressive kind of the way his dad was you know not not to that extent but you know he's he's got plenty to prove i mean as an owner so far this has been a complete just dud um yeah of a, of a team and we all know the reasons why but um i think those two things that just have to be separated like you know we didn't you know we don't know we still don't know yet if chris illich is going to be the guy to like run run up and spend 140 150 million you know per season to try to win i think that's still something that's going to have to be proved out over time um and just signing carlos correa even just by himself doesn't necessarily prove that i mean the tigers could have just gone and signed carlos correa and then not done much else so yeah, I think we do have to keep those two things separate. I think some of the frustration is that, you know, people just expect that Chris Illich is a cheapskate and doesn't really care about this team. And unless he signed, you know, the biggest, you know, the biggest contract possible for someone and then went on to do more, there's still going to be questions about that. But that's um, that's just the way it is. As far as the player, you know, Javi Baez is just, I, I can't be mad about having Javi Baez to watch every day. Um, I think back to when we got Jose Iglesias and like all the things that we kind of, you know, hoped Jose Iglesias would be. And Javi Baez is all those things and then a little bit more. Um, yeah. I mean, it's all the same, like kind of weird defensive genius and just like body awareness, awareness of what is going on in the field and like these slick plays, all that kind of stuff. But then he also has like a huge arm which Jose Iglesias never had and always had to kind of make up for it. And Jose Iglesias, it was a free swinger too, but never hit for power. And Javi Baez has, you know, as much power as anybody not named, you know, Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron judge, you know, Pete Alonso. There's like, you know, those five or five or six guys who are just beyond everybody, but Javi Baez can absolutely crack. And for a guy his size, it's, it's incredible to watch him, watch him hit and just mash these absolute bombs. Um, I think what's interesting about him is that he's sort of, also, he's sort of a guy that could could go either way. Like there is upside there, 
Um, and then there's also the possibility that, yeah, you know, two or three years from now, he's striking out 35, you know, 36% of the time and looks like Nico Goodrum at the plate. And, um, you know, the defense maybe isn't as good as it used to be. Um, that's possible. But, you know, we talk a lot about rate stats because that's the way in percentages, because that's the way to think about baseball. But I mean, if Javi Baez walked five more times, you know, in a whole season, his OBP would be above average. And then you have, you know, 30 home run power with an above average OBP, whatever the strikeout rate is. So the margins there are, you know, are finer sometimes than, than it can seem like if you're just looking at the percentages and yeah, I mean, I think if, you know, if they can improve his, his approach just a little bit, get him to chase a little bit less out of the zone, a little bit more mature approach. I mean, yeah, he, he could be as good as Carlos Correa. I mean, you know, it's, it's not impossible because, Javi Baez is just gifted like few baseball players are like, you know, mm-hmm. in a way that Carlos Correa isn't, you know, and, and almost no one is like, you know, there's, he just has that, that freak knack, um, you know, his hand eye coordinating coordination is ludicrous His the back yeah. speed is, is ridiculous. Um, and he's fast. I mean, he brings all, he does that thing that, that Carlos Correa can't do, which is that he brings you all those, that other element, the speed element, the just wreaking bizarre havoc on the base paths and, you know, turning other major league baseball players on opposing teams into utter morons because they can't, you know, they're just, they can't think at the same speed or, you know, he's, he just does something that, that blows, blows their mind and they have a huge brain fart. Um, I, I didn't, I, I didn't hear AJ Hinch say this in the, the press conference, but, you know, I mean, Javi Bay is, is literally that guy who you can actually say, like, he makes things happen. Like this guy's, you know, he's a winner. He makes, he does make things happen. And some of those things maybe just aren't taken into account um, in the statistics that well. Like, you know, defense tends to be like, did you make these this out? You know, this ball was hit to you. Did you make the throw? It's all those little things like the tag plays and, you know, deking runners a little bit. And, you know, there's just there's just all those little extras sometimes that he can um, that he can contribute. And I really liked in his presser that he kind of went out of his way himself to bring up, you know, the strikeouts and, you know, kind of looking to Miguel Cabrera as someone who might be able to help him, you know, think, think through his approach a little bit differently. Um, I don't know. You know, I don't know if that'll happen. You know, Miguel Cabrera is not a, not a coach, um, not exactly known for like being, you know, super, uh, super mechanics guy. I mean, he's not going to go in the cage with people and like fix their swings and all that sort of thing. But I think but you can probably Cabrera, just being near him that much and that frequently and in that proximity i think just by osmosis you've got to pick some of it up yeah because there's all that hitting intelligence there's the you know the ability to to pick up tells from pitchers um the ability to kind of figure out how they're trying to pitch you all that sort of stuff and it was interesting hearing javi baez talk about um the 2020 season and how not having in-game video for him to to make adjustments against pitchers really hurt him um, I mean, if he's a guy who depends that much on his preparation, you know, AJ Hinch seems like, you know, the type of coach and, and the type of coaching staff around him who are really, really good at preparing their players. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you know, I mean, you could squeeze a little bit more out of Javi Baez and all of a sudden he's a he's a consistent four to five war player for a couple of years. And, you know, or, or he's a two or three war player for a couple of years and then, you know, starts to fall apart and, you know, and then you deal with it because that's just the way free agent contracts go. And the cost was more than I wanted it to be for him. But, um, but then you look at, you know, what Texas did just suddenly appearing like the, the mystery wrestler, you know, in the mask on the top rope, like leaping into the fray and we didn't expect anything from them. And uh, all of a sudden they come in and make the two biggest signings of the, uh, the early off season here, you know, they kind of set the market a little higher than I think people thought it might be. And once that happened, it started to look like Carlos Correa was going to get like $370 million, which, which he might, um, he might yet. So he might have but, to wait a while. Yeah, he, he, he probably yeah. will have to wait a while, but yeah. yeah, we'll probably get pretty well paid unless everybody forgets how much Corey Seager went for in that meantime. But yeah, yeah. Um, but then there's also the, you know, there's also the, just the fact that, you know, Carlos Correa may just not have wanted to come here. You know, I mean. That's the thing people always, you know, kind of leave out. And, you know, when we write up an article and we're talking about a player, I think a lot of times people expect that we're like super promoting the idea, but you know, you, you just writing up the player, like the player could just decide, well, you know, I'm in my prime. I want to go play for a team that's likely to, to be in the world series next year. And that's, that's not us yet. So um, maybe it would have taken 400 million um, for us to, you know, 
for us to get him. I, but, uh, I think but he didn't have to go million. to brunch with AJ Hinch, did he? Like, why did he have to, to- just toy with It was the like baby that? gift, Brandon. I think if it went to 400 <laughs> million, I would have been mad at Chris Illich for spending that Yeah, because that's something that just hampers you down. Like, I'm already somebody who doesn't believe in contracts longer than five years because I don't believe, like, I, I understand why they exist. Yeah, I've preached this a million times. You're paying for the peak years and suffering through the bad ones at the end. Yeah. Typically just because you want those peak years and you, you know, you're never going to get, unless you're getting Max Scherzer, you're never going to get the full tenure of the contract at its full value. Right. Right. Yeah. So unless, you know, the Wander Franco contract, but like, he's going to be 27 when that expires. (laughs) Yeah. And we'll, we'll, hopefully we'll be talking about him in regard to Riley Green and and Spencer Torkel. Exactly. Yeah. But I, you know, like I, I, I think you have to look at it as like you're getting a name now, but I don't think Carlos Correa would have been worth four hundred million dollars to the Tigers. Like, right. let's be honest. And uh, what I think I take away from all of this isn't necessarily the players. It isn't necessarily the value of their contracts. What I take away is the biggest positive is that the Tigers have started signing players for longer than a year or two. Yeah. And to me, that's the biggest win of all of this. Because yeah. to me, that suggests, hey, you're locking down a starting pitcher for what five years was Rodriguez's contract. Yep. And you lock down Javi for six years. Like this means you're not just thinking of, you know, dragging your sorry carcass through next year just to get one step further away from Mickey's contract. Right. You're doing something that is investing in your long term success. And to me, it says that, okay, maybe we're not going to be at the World Series next year. We might be in the postseason, depending on what happens with the CBA and what extended postseason looks like. But I, for the very first time in a very long time, genuinely believe the Tigers could be a 500 team. Mm -hmm. And I believe they could end up second in the AL Central. Like, these are things I fundamentally believe could Mm -hmm. happen now because of the core you know, young players that we've seen come up, like the the really good turns from Mize, the stuff that we're seeing from like, you know, a bunch of guys on this team. Yeah, Scooble, Badu, and then yeah. exactly, and you know, even Eric Haas and guys like that. I mean, you know, the fact that they were able to let Grayson Griner walk, and mm-hmm. it's not a, a you know deficit to the team really. Sorry, Grayson. Yeah, um, <laughs> and, and, and that considering that we entered the off season, you know, with you know, looking like we had Eric Haas, Grayson Griner, you know, and, and Jake and, Rogers. Like, and that was, well, and know. Jake Rogers being injured. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, we just had those two guys and now it's like, Oh, we've got and, Bernhardt. Oh, you got Eric Haas and your backup, you know, is probably Dustin Garneau. So the, yeah. the, the amount of upgrades there is substantial. Yeah. <laughs> so I think we're maybe like one more signing. Like I would love to see them pick up another starting pitcher. Um, maybe a little bit of something for the bullpen. Yeah. But I think we've really, taken the opportunity to like shore up some positions that were very lacking for a very long time mm-hmm. um especially if they extend barnhart which i think was already a discussion yeah that, they had you know, talked about it yep so i i don't think that that would be out of the question to throw him like a three-year deal um yeah to have somebody there and uh, i don't know i just i think that's the thing is that i take away that like they're going in the right direction and they've maybe not bought the shiniest platinum versions of things that were available on the lot. Yeah. But you don't need to be driving a Ferrari to like finish the road trip. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yep. Yeah. You don't, you don't need to go nuts. And if they, if, if doing it the way they've done it right now leaves them, you know, the flexibility, this is, this is the remaining question that goes back to the Chris Illich thing, which is if they, if this has left them enough flexibility that, you know, at the trade deadline, if a team wants to kind of dump, uh, you know, an expiring contract kind of a thing that they'll take, that they'll take on the money or that, you know, after they see, you know, Torkelson and green, you know, up this year, if, if things go well there, then maybe you have a better idea of, okay, we, now we know for sure, you know, those guys are solid. Now we, we can address something else. You know, there is a thing about keeping enough flexibility at this point in the process that, yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to spend everything that Chris Illich is willing to spend yeah. right now. And then if you have, you know, you have an injury in the spring or something doesn't go well with one of the prospects, all that sort of thing. Now you're, you're kind of stuck without a lot of options. Um, so yeah, hopefully, hopefully Chris Illich will, uh, you know, will authorize more as, as it becomes needed. But yeah, I think, 
I tried to remind myself of this too, because I wanted Carlos Correa, you know, as much as anybody. I'd love to have Carlos Correa. But um, the goal of the offseason wasn't, wasn't to sign Carlos Correa. It was to get the, the team to a point where if Spencer Torkelson and Riley Green can contribute and maybe Casey Mize or Tarek Skubal, Matt Manning, that group gets a little better. All of a sudden, you're you're a legitimate like wild card contender. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about wild card as like a legitimate wild card, you know. But yeah, I mean that kind of thing. Like you're, it's it's tough to see us running down the Chicago White Sox right now without someone going nuts, like a little bit unexpectedly. Um, but yeah, I mean them to fall apart completely. Like I mean they yeah. have lost some pieces, so. But I, I do still think that the the White Sox are definitely the team to beat yeah. in the AL Central. But if you're you know if you're a team look hoping you know to finish with like the fourth best record in the AL. You're in the right division to do it because Minnesota, you know, kind of just spun out and, you know, crashed last year and they don't have the pitching really to compete and the Royals aren't really doing anything and the Indians are kind of, excuse me, the Guardians. The Guardians. Are, are trying to I was starting a jar I have messed that up on another podcast today too I'm like a dollar into the jar mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it's gonna take a bit it's gonna take uh, yeah. some getting used to but yeah you know it's a division where yeah I mean they could thrive without being one of the three best teams in in the American League so and who knows maybe they'll shock us and they, and they will be um oh great maybe you know with the way things are going maybe there won't be any divisions and it'll just be two divisions per league and yeah or there won't be any baseball at all and there'll be CBA a- discussions are making me scratch my head a lot but. oh yeah yep yeah it's uh it's it hasn't been a very promising start even though it's all kind of gone exactly as foreseen it yeah. still feel it, it feels bad um it feels bad and, it, and it, it doesn't look great out there mom and dad are fighting and no one can decide who gets the beach house in malibu friends yep. it's pretty ugly yep yep the face the verbal face punching is uh is, is underway there but yeah to wrap you know so to wrap it up yeah i mean you know javi baez strikes out too much but you know he always seems to manage to do enough he hits the ball hard when he does make solid contact. He, he gets more hits than you'd expect. Um, because of that, he beats out infield hits uh, in Comerica where there's, there's more grass out there. He's probably going to have some more balls drop for him. And as you say, like he's probably going to hit some screaming triples, you know, into that, that right center field corner and be burning around the bases. Um, so you know, all in all pretty good. He's not like the, the number three hitter of my dreams. And so maybe, you know, he's, he's better suited to be like your fourth or fifth somewhere in I the think lineup. As somebody pointed out, as long as he's not after Miguel Cabrera, yeah, because uh, the last thing you want is somebody with that speed to be hampered by yeah. having Miguel Cabrera. That's becoming the problem. Match. Yeah, that's becoming the problem with Miguel Cabrera because <laughs> now that we have speed, you know, you've got Grossman's fast. Yeah, Badu is fast. Uh, yeah. I mean, everybody's faster than Miguel, but yeah. <laughs> You want him behind those, yeah, behind those guys, yeah, for sure. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see kind of how they uh, they make that lineup up. But I, I'm excited to see Javi Baez in a, in a Tigers uniform. I was, I have been thinking about Jose Iglesias because I was just so excited, like to just have a defensive genius out there to watch who would just do amazing things. And even then, you know, we knew Iglesias would occasionally like bone a play, and yeah, and Javi Baez is kind of the same in that that regard. But um, but yeah, you know, to have that and then to have all the the other attributes, the the you know, the power bat and the speed on the bases. Jose Iglesias never stole very many bases. You know, he just uh he, I think he goes shin splints that you know that first season he he just was never quite the same player ever again after after that. Um and then now mean- we're getting like the like the dream of of what Jose Iglesias could have been in no no shade to any of our interim shortstops since Jose Iglesias has left the team but uh, I really would have preferred to just have kept Jose Iglesias the last three years quite frankly I know you know it would have at least been something to watch you know at least you're going to get a highlight here there yeah Um, but Um, you know but I'm sure I don't know that's kind of the, the problem with that sort of player is that he was always he's so talented that I'm sure like around his teammates you know like jose iglesias is kind of a you know kind of a, a centerpiece like people are like i mean he can do things like it's you know the hands are just just outrageously good yeah, so um, good so you know a guy like that probably you know looks at himself reaching free agency and thinks like well i've got a you know i'm a good player i should be you know worth this and that but then you you, you look at the cold hard math that we're all looking at as far as the cba is right now um, that situation. And yeah, that cold hard math says Jose Iglesias, you know, is, is like a, a guy should, who should be on your bench, you know, for the most part. I mean, he'll still get picked up. You got to look at the mm-hmm. fact that, I mean, like, again, 
no shade to like Jordy Mercer. Um, but like yeah. he got two years <laughs> worth of contracts out of being Jordy Mercer. So mm-hmm. I mean, Jose Iglesias is still going to find a job by the time next yeah. year rolls around. If we have games to play. Yeah. Um, it was interesting it, seeing him end up back with Boston at the, at the end of the year, you know, back home yeah. in Boston after all this time was kind of, was kind of funny. Yeah. It, didn't, it I felt mean, like, more normal the, the, than it did seeing Ian Kinsler in a red side chicken form. That's for sure. Oh, I hated that. That was so. <laughs> yeah, that was gross. No. Yeah. But I mean, like, I could picture somewhere like, you know, Jose Iglesias could land somewhere like with the Cubs. Like, they aren't looking to spend a ton. It's really hard to see what kind of direction they're going just next year, but they just signed Marcus Stroman. Yeah. Like, they just picked up Clint Frazier from the Yankees they're doing some stuff and a kind of an aging shortstop who's still got a bit of a dazzle in his glove. Yeah. He'd kind of feel like the poor man's Javier Baez to them, I think. Yeah. But I, I feel like but maybe a park a match. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Maybe so. a better park park for him, you know, than, yeah. than here certainly, or, or maybe even with, with the angels. Um, yeah. You know, it's been interesting with the Cubs because they signed Marcus Stroman and all of a sudden I started seeing the national media talking about, Oh, you know, the Cubs, Cubs are in this thing again, you know, they, they might, uh, yeah, I'm just looking at it like, what, what are you talking about? Meanwhile, you know, the Tigers sign Eduardo Rodriguez, they sign Javi Baez, they get Tucker Barnhart, they've got, yeah, yeah, Torkelson and Green coming and people are like, ah, you know, Tigers, you know, I don't know if I could see him, you know, being ready to clear 500 this year, but it's like, what are you looking at? You know, Tigers were over 500 for five straight months. I don't know. They better be over 500 next year. There's going to be issues. I don't know what the Cubs are doing. And I like I don't follow either. the Cubs yeah. because like the moves that they made initially in this little like fever storm of, of signings made sense to me. Pick up a Jan Gomes. Okay. You know, 34 year old catcher, but he's good. Yeah. You know, yeah, absolutely. You pick up Clint Frazier who got DFA'd from the Yankees. He had a stellar 2020 and yeah. then was kind of suffering vertigo, had some health issues in 2021, fell off a bit. Never really found his stride in New York, but, you know, maybe let him grow his hair out a little bit and have some fun. (laughs) And he could be really good with the Cubs. Who knows? Like, there is definitely potential there. And they signed Marcus Stroman. And, like, all the moves leading up to that felt very, like, okay, we're retooling. We're kind of seeing what works. Maybe in a year or two, we'll be in a position to kind of, like, go for it. Yeah, rebuilding type moves. Yeah, but, like, not like like a a burn it to the ground right. and salt the earth rebuild like we right. went through <laughs> like right. a rebuild light you know what mm-hmm. i mean and then they signed stroman and i'm like first of all i really thought stroman was going to get more than three years 71 mil yeah so did i it's kind of bizarre to me that he's getting less than eduardo rodriguez i don't i know I, that doesn't quite compute to me <laughs> and I, I like i don't know if it's because he like sorry <laughs> I just got a text from my old boss and she's making fun of her boss um, who I always collected like witticisms from. And so she just sent me something he called somebody on a call and I'm absolutely dying. (laughs) Oh my God. Sorry. No, Um, I have, he he called somebody a burnt almond, which for context, my favorite thing, my former skip little boss ever said to anybody about anybody he he never says it to their faces but always behind their back he called somebody an absolute yogurt once (laughs) and i called somebody else princess potato like he i i wanted to create like a master list of the things that he said and like send it out as a book to everybody one year (laughs) yeah it's like, uh, it's, it's the kind of things like someone who doesn't want to swear comes up with, you know, it's like, well, and it's like, it's he's, he's, dad, dad he's Iranian too. Right. So oh, I feel awesome. like there's like a, like a phraseology, like yeah. maybe they use a lot more food metaphors in Iran, but like, right, he's just come over and just been like American idioms or English idioms make no sense. You can just, they're not tasty you enough. You can but, say whatever you want, I guess. Everything can, can be compared to anything. I always think about an absolute yogurt. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. My, my boss just texted me and she's like, he just called somebody a burnt almond all in caps <laughs> and i'm just absolutely crying i got derailed i'm so sorry no it's all right <laughs> yeah well we were just talking about yeah the just the oddity of of the cubs signing marcus stroman yeah, yeah and I for 71 million like what is that like i mean i don't want to say that's a bargain basement price for marcus stroman but it kind of is kind of and like, it also I, gives you that weird like you know, I mean, we, we think a lot about the, like the window, you know, like the Tigers have, you know, two years. Of and it's a three-year deal. Left, and then they have Miguel Cabrera going. Yeah. What is three, what happens in what three years with the What do they see their Cubs? window at? 
I don't like, know. That's I I don't know. So it, like I'm not mad about it from a perspective of somebody who writes about the Cubs. Are they going to sign Chris Bryant? <laughs> I don't think Chris Bryant's ever coming back. Yeah, no, no They do need to bolster their middle infield a little bit, though. Um, yeah, they got a lot of bolstering. Marcus Stroman. I just I don't get it. I I mean, like I I don't mean that in a way that like I don't get why anyone would sign Marcus Stroman because he's Marcus Stroman. I get it, but like I don't get why the Cubs. Yeah, I'm still scratching my head about that. Like I don't. What's, what's shocking is you think about the um, like the Angels, like the Angels. Des- they they couldn't beat that price to get, uh, you know, Marcus Stroman. Like, and he, they were they in were on desperate, it. You know, that was the rumor, with- right? Like that yeah. the Angels were very. But it seems like he must have really wanted to play at Wrigley. Like I guess he, so I thought he, he was barely... going to the Mets, or he was going to the Angels, or he was. Well, going... the Mets, I guess, didn't need him as much with no. the Scherzer signing. Yeah, and... once they did that, it was over. Yeah. And I guess, like, I don't know why you wouldn't go to the Angels. Like, why would you not want to be on the same team as Mike Trout and Shohei Otani? But, like, and surely the Angels would have paid him more. I I can't. But, like, he flew into Wrigley for that physical to, like, get in there under the wire before the non-tender. And, like, I'm dead convinced that Wilson Contreras' planes tweet was about Marcus Stroman. Oh, yeah. So there was, like, (laughs) a big mystery surrounding this, right? Like, Wilson Contreras just pleaded, like, he did plane emojis like flying up and in the air and flying down Mm. and people are like oh is is Wilson Contreras like flying somewhere is he gonna sign somewhere what's he gonna do now I'm dead convinced that he was tweeting about Marcus Stroman flying in for the physical he knew what was going on and like was just like you know (laughs) laying the groundwork there but I also love that all of the baseball beat writers had to um tag first to start oh, yeah. himself because yeah. he broke the news which yeah. i thought was utterly delightful somebody um, else did that like a year or two ago i can't think of who it was but yeah that was like the, I've seen the best example of where their wives will do it like yeah. where that's like i guess we're moving here yep. and then like guys have to tag the wives or like first just from so-and-so so <laughs> right like like somebody's wife just posts like the zillow like yeah, screenshot exactly. of a certain region or something <laughs> and you're like oh guess guess i'm house yeah, hunting guess who's moving yeah. but yeah i don't know it's been a, just an absolute wild ride of a week yeah where like the second you log off of twitter for like half an hour yeah like we the running joker because i was basically running bleed cubby blue roughly oh, yeah for most of the yeah. week because our the site manager's been away yeah and I'm like, okay, that's fine. Usually not much happens and I can handle that. And like the second I was like heading to the gym, I was just like, Jan Gomes got signed. I'm like, oh God, I guess I'll deal with that when I get back. Yeah. And then it was like Clint Frazier got signed. And then I'm like, okay, well, I'm just settling in to read a book for the night. And I'm like, oh, rumor mill has it that Marcus Stroman might be on. I'm like, yeah. are you kidding me? And then like right before I went to bed, they re-signed somebody else to like, like mm. I'm like, yep. no rest no rest no rest for the wicked of the baseball world yeah speaking of the wicked of the baseball world well well on the other well yeah that is a good transition (laughs) but i just wanted to mention too it is funny that you know not only did the cubs make that deal then you have the texas rangers who have no earthly hope of doing anything next year and they're the team that rolls in and signs marcus Semyon and Corey seager for deals that were bigger than you know anyone had projected him especially Semyon. like that's a what is that a seven-year Seven-year deal for like two hundred and twenty million or something. Over the two <laughs> contracts, it literally was more than half a billion dollars. Yeah, and people okay. were just it was like, like, "Okay, it was like maybe maybe Semyon was like one hundred and seventy or eighty. Because I know Seager like was, was like, Seager got three twenty-five. Seager was three twenty-five. Yeah, and so it was like between them, it was like it was over five hundred thousand. And I'm like, really. Mm-hmm. Like, because he kept coming up and be like, Rangers of sign so and so, Rangers of sign so and so. I'm like, yeah, you do, you Texas. Yeah. Like, meanwhile, the Yankees have done basically nothing. The yeah. Red Sox have done basically nothing except lose Eduardo Rodriguez. The Dodgers had, what signed Andrew Haney. Uh, the Padres traded Adam Fraser. I think the Dodgers Seattle. at least renewed a contract with Chris Taylor, which is yeah. like not nothing, but oh, yeah, that's true. It's not, I mean, for a team that's back to back like contenders for the World Series, won the World Series two years ago, yeah. like, uh, what are you doing? Yeah. I all mean, those, also, all those big teams just kind of—they do have there. the the weight of the unknown of the Trevor Bauer contract hanging over them still right now too, which yeah. is yeah, gotta love it. Is its own kettle of fish, but yeah. Um,
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so now that has to bring us to the topic that we don't really want to discuss because it's just no fun. But uh, oh. of course, of course, the Major League Baseball owners locked out the players as expected the other night. And the, the craziest thing, like as far as like a start to this, when we we is that we knew this was going to happen for it seems like since the the, the off season ended, there were like concrete reports that you know if if the deal didn't get done and that the deal wouldn't get done that they would lock out the players and then they lock out the players. And the first thing that happens is that Rob Banford, you know, releases this missive that says, you know, Oh, well, we had to defend ourselves. You know, we were, you know, we locked out the players in self-defense because, you know, they weren't negotiating in good faith as though we hadn't all been expecting this lockout for like, you know, two months as though, you know, something happened at the last minute that just Uh, forced his hand. Two months. We've been talking about this for like, two and a half years well, like, yeah. I mean even since I mean, the last CBA I mean I've, I've covered truly, the sport now long enough to go back to that there, one there's been like, enough bad blood brewing I mean you've got and Steve Cohen tweeting things that made it clear that like they were gaming the system of player contracts you have like it, it's yeah. there's been so many things I mean even just like the two balls used this season I feel like genuinely could have contributed to players like Tyler Glass now yeah. getting injured not impossible because like and they blaming it all on sticky gate right you're messing with the balls and yet you're saying oh it's the pitchers using their substances mm-hmm. if I was a pitcher in the major leagues I would be furious oh, furious yeah. and it's all just been like shenanigans it's all been and, and on both sides like i mean i'm generally on the player side in all of this yeah like so I, I. i'm not, I'm not yeah i'm not gonna side with billionaire owners i'm sorry but like yeah everybody on both sides is kind of being a little bit a little little bit childish yeah just a little bit yeah um, I, mean, I mean i always remind myself that this is an entertainment industry and so yeah like, fundamentally i have to think of the players the way i would think of you know like the 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 band against you know the big record company you know yeah. like you know if the tigers could you know go or the, the writers strike right, right. like if the players side. could go taylor swift and just like re-record the season so that the owners Absolutely. don't get don't, Maggie's are, version. yeah aren't able to get their uh their cut of it i'd be perfectly fine with that but yeah i mean i mean like there was the cla- chris bryan is the classic example of the, the gaming the service time thing um, you know, so, the, and that has, you know, been an ongoing thing that the players are, are driven nuts about. Um, and, and all these things in, in Rob Manfred's, Manfred's tenure, um, like you say, like switching the balls a whole bunch of times, apparently this season, like, you know, trying to find a ball that wouldn't fly as far, um, you know, just doing these things like he, he's, you know, he's has all this power to be the steward of the sport. Like the players don't have any say about like the actual, like, equipment you know necessarily the rules even you know and, and all that stuff has just been you know manipulated in so, so many bizarre ways the past couple of years um you know where he wrote he wrote all the players before the season and said we're not gonna we're not gonna enforce you know a crackdown on the foreign substances until the end of next year and at that point you know we're gonna bring the hammer down but we're not gonna do it now we're gonna give you guys you know this season, you know, to kind of work it out and then next season, but no. And then like for no Mid-season. real reason, yeah, he decides to do it. And it can only, you know, I, I, if I was a player, I could only take that as a way of like messing with them of, uh, you know, of, of kind of like just strutting and showing my power. Like, at this, well, you know, I can do whatever I want, you know, there's right absolutely now. a psychological aspect to it. You've got guys having their belts checked mid game yep. and their hats checked. Like talk about throwing somebody off their rhythm Mm-hmm. You're in the middle of pitching a great game and somebody's like, let me look at your pants. Yeah. Like, I'm yeah. sorry. Mm-hmm. Like, it's absolutely psychological warfare in that sense. Like, yep. yep. Could have done it from the beginning, you know, could have told them all, you know, right at the beginning of spring training, like, you know, this is how it's going to be. Everybody needs to to work it out um, in advance. And and that way you'd be prepared. You'd be, you know, your arm would be con- conditioned. 
you know, to throw the ball, if you have to grip slightly differently or with different pressure, all that, all that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it, it just felt like a bunch of nonsense. And then, yeah, there, there's the ball issue where they just keep changing the ball. And I think they sell this a lot of times, like, well, it's the same for everyone. And so the competitive, you know, nature of the game isn't altered, but what's completely left out of that equation is that everyone is paid to do certain things like the way that rates are determined in arbitration and the way teams value free agents are all based on certain events that happen in baseball. And if you deaden the ball this year to try to trim up, you know, trim down the home runs, you are specifically costing those players money. And if you have all these guys who've learned to throw the ball with, you know, whatever substance that they're using and you take it away from a mid season, you can screw up their performance. Um, and, and that affects how they get paid. It's not a uniform, you know, it's not a uniform thing. It's going to affect some guys more than others. And you can, you could arguably look at all the changes that they've, they've made just on both of those fronts with the foreign substances on the ball are both designed to cut down on strikeouts and cut down on home runs. And what do teams pay for? Uh, fundamentally, above all else, you know, all the war calculations, FIP, OPS, plus, whatever you want, it's how many home runs did you hit and, you know, and the strikeouts. And so, yeah, I mean, it's hard not to look at all those things as, as manipulative. Um, I think they are. Um, even if, you know, there's also an argument that some of those things are better for the, the state of the game. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, we, we know... Because and it hasn't helped the, the league's case that the Atlanta Braves are now a publicly traded team. I'm I'm still surprised that they let that happen. But so, you know, people can look at their books and kind of extrapolate out to uh, other teams, you know, revenue and and spending now. And that's something that was very different, um, you know, compared to the way things were back in '94 when every team was just owned by some, you know, random multimillionaire, you know, George Steinbrenner type, you know, and it was just these sort of like titans who you know 30 guys who controlled the game entirely and controlled the media and all the all the messaging from the game um yeah i mean you know to go to the thing that sarah sanchez um a friend of ours and a good writer for bleed cubby blue and a few other places um brought up was you know just that the media war is going to be so different and it, it, it may be that you know rob banford and the owners being somewhat out of touch don't realize how different things are going to be than it was in 94 when they kind of had, you know, all the, all the power um, because yeah, the players can talk to the fans and, you know, social media is there and Rod Manfred has a rather terrible reputation with the, you know, with baseball fans in general already. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if this goes badly, if at some point Rob Manfred does finally get fired um, in this, like he would be the guy that if things come to a head, He's going to be the scapegoat. The owner's oh, 100%. Bringing, yeah, owner's bringing the, the next guy. And yeah. Tossed under the bus. Because you're right. Like Sarah was pointing out that it's very much like an old media versus new media situation where like previously in 94, papers were, you know, the, the guys worrying for the big major papers were kind of beholden to needing those connections with the team mm-hmm. and kind of needing to tow the, the ownership line. And so the narrative you got out of that is very different. And I think they're trying to spin a very similar narrative to that now, like, oh, greedy ball players. Oh, you know, they're not willing to be flexible. Oh, they don't want us to cut back on like the like pension fund. How dare they? Yeah, right. um, like that sort of thing. But then you've got now what Rotoware just launched like this faceless player t-shirt that's a matchup to what most of the guys around MLB right now have changed their like their avatars to on like social media platforms which is just the it's what it is is you'll you'll see it on like sites where it's a lot of KBO or Japanese players where they don't have a good stock photo of them from like team things so it's just an outline of a like a man's face with a baseball cap on yeah um and that is the generic baseball player logo player to be named later not a real person kind of thing and they've all switched their their profile picture to that which i think is kind of an interesting well and of course it it all comes because the very first thing that happened is that they scrubbed all the likenesses and image of all from all the players from every team site every mlb you know affiliated property everywhere making all that stuff look really really weird um you go to mlb film room you can't get clips there anymore Uh, yeah you look at the roster and it's blank, blank face avatar guy up and down. And all they have is their names. And so, yeah, the players are obviously like communicating and, 
and this all goes back to the, the the COVID year and how much that probably motivated the players to get together because the owners didn't want to play baseball and mm-hmm. they wanted to limit the games when the players had already agreed to terms for how they were going to do everything. And the only question was when they would start and the owners slow played them and the players said no, you know, basically, and just walked away from negotiations and said, well, all right, you know, you're not going to, not going to work with us. So you just tell us when to show up, I guess. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, that was a bad, I mean, that whole situation is so unique that maybe it, it shouldn't have played as much into it as it, as it is going to, but, um, but it, but it just did because it brought the players together. No one could play, no one could practice. They're all like trying to, trying to find guys to work out with and, you know, and having Playing plenty sandlot of, games, yeah, like. having plenty of time to, you know, to talk to each other about all this. And my favorite thing about all this is that Max Scherzer is right in the thick of it. Like Max Scherzer is the leader of the players union. Um, you know, as far as the, the actual players go, no offense, Tony Clark, but you know, Max Scherzer is the spokesman and he's, he's made very clear. He's made some bold statements that, you know, if, if we don't get the, the players paid younger, you know, some of these other demands that we want, I, I, there's just no way I'm going to put my name on this. Um, and, you know, Max Scherzer carries a lot of clout and there's, there's plenty of other, you know, important players who probably are backing him up, but, um, but aren't as, as vocal about it. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I, I just feel like there's, you know, there's so much money at stake and the 94 strike was so, so bad for baseball that I don't think, I just don't think that they're going to allow that to happen this time, but it's also really hard to look at where both sides are and, and see where, you know, where they're going to agree but of course, that's also public relations. That's how you start out. You know, you, you never concede anything until you absolutely have to. So, yeah, I, I think you're right. Like, especially coming off of the COVID year, like 2020 was just a year ago and they lost, they claim they lost billions yeah. by not being able to have a full season, by not being able to have fans in the stands. And I think they're feeling that Like, I think they were a little bit overzealous and what they actually lost because they still made money on their you know broadcast deals and all of that good stuff so i don't think anybody went home weeping at the end of the day poor little billionaires yeah but i think they're probably still feeling the the pinch of that Mm -hmm. and i don't think any of the ownership individuals or groups want to go through that again in the 2022 season by their own fault yeah um, and so I think that there will be a more motivation maybe than there was if the 2020 season hadn't happened the way it had. Mm-hmm. And if it had been a normal year with normal money, they might've been a little bit more willing to say, Oh, okay, well, we'll sit here for half a season and we won't pay you anything, or we won't do what we said, or we'll, you know, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll sit on our hands. And I think, I mean, I hate to say COVID helped anything. Um, but I think it'll certainly help push the negotiations maybe a little faster yeah. um, to get things done. I would hope before the season's supposed to start. I, I think yeah. I'm, I'm not worried now. I'll no. start worrying if, you know, February 12th rolls around and we don't have anything at that yeah. point, then yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could totally see, you know, the, the owners and, and the league thinking to themselves that, okay, now that we're in a lockout, we're probably better off dragging this out as long as possible so that whenever we do agree and whatever we do agree to the players are all under enormous pressure to sign as soon as the new CBA is agreed to. And, you know, maybe we can take advantage of that somehow. So it won't surprise me if this thing, you know, it it just, if we get, you know, another week from now, it's not going to happen until well after the holidays oh, yeah, years yeah. and all that, like everybody's just going to take the next, you know, three weeks off and all the negotiators are just going to, going to argue and, and hash away at this thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it does, it does, it feels really bad right now, but when you also look at what the two sides seem to want, it doesn't seem that like wildly far apart. Like, we know that back in the, and I know this because I talked to John Pessa, who wrote that book, The Game, which I would I would recommend to anyone if you want to know about the 94 strike and Bud Selig's tenure and, you know, like how, how like Jerry Reinsdorf and George Steinbrenner, um, Mike Illich, all those, all those kind of characters. And then, of course, Don Fair running the Players Association, uh, how all those guys related and and sort of what went on there um i would i would seriously recommend that book but from talking to john and reading that book 
the the kind of the crux of it was to get things to the point where profits were pretty evenly split between the players and the owners. And that held up, you know, through most of Don Fair's tenure, which ended in, I think, 2009. And then, oh God, I can't remember. They turned it over to another lawyer. And unfortunately that, that gentleman, Michael, I can't remember his name, died of cancer. And the next two CBAs, all of a sudden we've started to see that the player share is more down to like 41 or 42%. And so I think like, that's where the, you know, like the basic issue is and the league has obviously like Rob Manfred's done a great job from the owner's perspective by developing all these other revenue sources, MLB TV, MLB media, um, you know, all this licensing, all these new deals with all these gambling sites, which I still don't see a whole lot of national media, like putting under much scrutiny which is another thing that I keep tying back to like messing with the ball, you know, like if you're betting on all these players in prop bets, who's going to win the Cy Young and then they're messing with the rules and the ball mid season. Mm-hmm. Like there, there's a lot of, oppor- there's just a lot of opportunities for corruption and, and uh, fuckery, let's just say. And uh, yeah. yeah. And so, you know, yeah, those, those things all, all kind of sit up and I, I've been, there's a couple of people in particular, like Travis Sawcheck, um, really good baseball writer um, who has written for like the ringer and um, wrote the MVP machine and big data baseball. He mm-hmm. had a really good tweet in here kind of about um, where is it in 2019, the last year that he had like the, the full game level data um, pre-arbitration players accounted for 63.2% of all players to step on the field. And they accounted for 536 percent of days of service time accumulated but only nine percent of player pay whereas in the nba only three percent of the league is close to that minimum salary um in hockey it's 23 percent. but in baseball yeah i mean it's it's well over 50 percent that you had that teams are relying on these young guys now and they're going to game them out of their service time so that they now have seven years you know four controlled where they're only paying them you know a half a million and and change which it's good money, but, uh, you know, in a, in an industry and in a sport and for the amount of value that these players gen- generate yeah. is, is pretty brutal, but it's just, I, I don't, I don't have the answers. And I, and the more I read about this, the more I just, I realize like, it, it seems like a good idea to have a salary floor, but almost no matter what you, what you do, the teams are just going to find another way to adjust. Like if you raise the, you know, if you raise the minimum to say 2 million, then they're just not going to call people up as soon. And then maybe they'll just sign the Jordy Mercer's of the, uh, of the world for a million or two, two million. Cause they know what they've got there and then they can cut those guys. So there's always a way for them to, you know, to, to kind of manipulate the system. And it's always going to be the big teams, the big market teams that, yeah. that can afford the most. Um, I don't know. Like, I mean, it just seems like some of the small, like the pirates in particular, it's like, they just need to be relegated. Like, you know, that some of these ownerships need to just be forced to sell, sell their teams because they just consistently show no commitment. You know, like the Rays get beat up on this all the time and the Rays are way better, you know, than, than, than some teams are about the it. Rays and the Rays I mean, have managed to compete, you know, and that's, the I'm Rays obviously biased. I know yeah. they don't spend money, but sure, they, they spend their money in a very interesting way, as opposed to teams that obviously don't care. Yeah. And they spend their money on finding undervalued players Mm -hmm. elsewhere that they know they can develop within their system. Whereas I think a lot of other (laughs) teams are just like, well, we have to play 162 games. Who isn't broken? Right. Um, Who is going to net us maybe 0.5 war? Yeah. And let's go. An attitude like we can't win. And uh, whatever, we don't care. Maybe next year before you've even played another game. No, The Rays insist on winning and they do it, you know? And I think the players, when they're with the Rays, feel very differently, too. I don't think they feel downtrodden. I don't think they feel like an, a low-market team. I think they feel like maybe they're the black sheep from other teams that suddenly have an opportunity elsewhere. And so I think you get a different attitude out of yeah. them as and well. You're, from and that you're also, yeah, and you're also excited to go there because they make almost everybody better, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Like, like, who like, wouldn't want to be a pitcher going yeah. to work with Kyle like, Snyder? I'm sorry, but like... Yeah, this conditions may be stark, but you're going to Shaolin Temple to train, you know? Like, they're going to they're gonna tune you up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Kevin Cash didn't win back-to-back manager of the year awards for nothing. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. they're, they're a good team who could be something spectacular, I'm sure, with Bunny. But at the same time, I I think that they've just learned to do the most with what they're given. Yeah. And 
I think that should be an example to teams that maybe don't spend the way that they should. Yeah. And that maybe they should be spending more, you know, I mean, maybe the thing the pirates need to do is spend more on their front office, you know, like maybe if they had better analysts and, and, and coaches, maybe they could be more like the Rays in that way without, you know, okay. Having to drop, you know, $80 million contracts on people. But, you know, I, I noticed like one of the things that the players seem to want is, you know, that, that they want to eliminate the, the luxury tax or at least reduce it so that the big teams can spend even more without paying a luxury tax. And it's like, some of these things only seem to exacerbate the problem, (laughs) you know, like, yeah, like, okay, we could let the Yankees pay everybody, but that doesn't change the fact that you're still going to have, you know, small market teams that'll just never shell out more than a a two or $3 million deal, unless there's some kind of salary floor. And, and then I just don't see the, the salary floor part of it getting discussed very much um outside of like us right like outside of our our our, you know sp nation slack chat where everyone's like yeah salary floor and fans i mean i think fans all think you know some kind of like you know something more like the way the nba or the nfl seem to run where teams kind of like all the money kind of goes more into a general fund and yeah. teams have certain amounts, you know, a certain range in which they have to spend. Um, something like that seems seems necessary as well, because you know, if they what the owners really want is expanded playoffs and to not have to pay the players more, because an, an extra round of the playoffs is worth an absolute fortune. Um, you know, it's probably worth more than like you know, ten weeks of games or 10, 10 days of games for the whole league, you know, it's like just, it's just worth that much. And so they want that. Um, But, you know, does that make teams spend more because they have a chance to get into the the playoffs or does it make them think, well, let's just do enough because we can probably get in and we can sustain that, but we never have to go all in, you know, we'll just wait for our year. It's just really hard to, to kind of play out what the consequences of, of any of these proposed moves would be because you have an entire, you know, league full of, of executives who are really good at, you know, figuring out what the, what the rules are and then figuring out how to, how to exploit it, you know, in the best way they can. And of course that's what they're supposed to do. That's their job. And a certain I, I don't know. Career. Part of me feels oh. like it should be like a punishment reward system where like you're the amount you're allowed to spend the following year or like your accessibility to like free agents or, you know, rule five selections or the international draft is limited by how poorly you did the previous year. Right. Rather than being rewarded for doing poorly. Exactly. So I feel like then, you know, if you're not getting, you know, suddenly first round draft picks because you sucked so bad, you're going to try harder. Like, I, I don't yeah. know if that's the yeah. answer, but yeah, like, hopefully there has to be yeah. a way to avoid this concept of like failing upwards and tanking and, mm-hmm. and all of that nonsense that people that we do see, I'm sorry, but tanking exists and it's happening. Yep. And, and at the other end of it, we've got the anti-competitiveness of there being six, you know, practically an unlimited that budget. Can, yeah, yeah. That can comfortably like, spend, you know, ludicrous amounts of money. And of course, that's good in the sense that that's mostly where the players are getting paid, but it's only those big, the, the big superstars are getting paid a lot. And we just keep seeing that gap get, get wider and w- wider where, you know, they can, unless you're a superstar, they can avoid figure out a way to avoid you getting to free agency till you're 30. And then once you're 30, they tell you that your value is going to decline because yeah. now you're 30 and that's the way we've calculated all of our, our algorithms. And so, no, we can't pay you now either, you know? And Yeah. And players don't pay, play till they're 40. And that's that's the other thing, too. Guys used to make more money because their careers were longer, whereas now it's that that peak, you know. And once you're, once you're beyond 30, everybody's, you know, staring at you the way we're going to stare at Javier Baez in two years. Like, oh, okay, he's beyond beyond 30 now. Is, is the decline He's a that. senior. Yeah. The other thing, well, the other thing that goes back to that, too, is that the gate doesn't matter anymore. And, uh, and that... You know, we've talked about that on the site and, and written about it in the past, but yeah, you used to have to get the fans in to sell tickets and sell merchandise, beer, hot dogs, and, and whatever to make your money. And now that's like, you know, 20, 25% of revenue. It's not, it's not that big of a part. Um, you have to wonder what Chris Illich just got in the, you know, the new, new deal with Bally Sports, because the, the last deal with FSD was probably signed, what, like 2010? I mean... 
whatever pay scale they established then, like it must be way beyond that now. So, you know, there's like a, another huge amount of money um, coming in that they didn't have before. And so that, you know, you also look at that and like, oh, well, did they even actually spend a greater percentage of their actual revenue when they got Eduardo Rodriguez or Javi Baez, or did they just kind of, well, okay, this is the same percentage, you know, but now we can spend a little yeah, bit matching more. up to their means. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Our profit margin is still the same, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, and all those, all those things will, will have to be uh, kind of, kind of seen as, as things go on, but yeah, we're not going to solve this tonight. And it's just, um, it's just kind of a drag. I mean, you know, December is usually quiet anyway. And Ashley and I like to read and watch movies and like not be covering baseball, like literally every <laughs> single night or trying to go on vacation every single weekend that we're free and to try to take advantage of summer. So, I mean, I'm, I'm content, you know, to like kind of wait this out and, and see how it goes and, uh, and start to hear what some of the proposals are. But um, yeah, I don't know. So far it's at least been, been entertaining to see the players, you know, have some unity and, and kind of, kind of be uh group together together but i also understand the fans perspective that you know like well we don't you know it's millionaires versus billionaires you know it's it's really not like it's that 53 percent of players we were just talking about who probably take home you know two hundred and fifty thousand after they've paid their agents their taxes yeah. and all their fees and moving expenses and all that that stuff it's those guys that we would like to to see boosted up and then beyond that it's like could we ever do something for say the fans and the minor leaguers <laughs> At least the minor leaguers are starting to get like, you know, at least the housing thing. Yeah. The housing thing is better. Yeah. That's something. Yep. And Um, the teams teams controlling their leases so that they're, they don't have to, you know, sublease to the next kid who just got promoted from double a when they get promoted up and then, you know, they get promoted again and then they've got a sub sublease and a subleasee and a subleaser. All that stuff is pretty hard to manage for normal people. Um, No offense to athletes, but, um, I'm going to imagine that, you know, the vast majority of young men in their early 20s who are athletes and, you know, kind of living that lifestyle are probably not ideally suited for um, for management at this point <laughs> in their lives. So, yeah, it's a lot. It's kind of you know, a lot is asked of them. So, yeah, at least, you know, there's some improvements there and I, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to I'm just not going to waste too much emotion on this right now until we see like a- how things play out. It's too early to worry, I think, is the big takeaway. I think it's, like I said, nothing's going to happen in December. It's the holidays. They're going to, like, wait it out. They want to kind of see who breaks first. I don't think we're going to see anything until mid-January, maybe. Probably closer to February. Yeah, I think you're right, though, in that, like, yeah, mid-January is probably where, after all the initial missives are sent and hard feelings expressed and blah, 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 and then everybody goes away through the holidays. Mid-January is when I expect them to actually seriously begin, you know, trying to, to work around some things. Because so far, it's been like complete stonewall, you know, like the owners just like, oh, you know, the players, you know, suggestions are insane and will destroy the game, you know, like, okay, sure. And uh, and vice versa, you know, you know, like yeah, the players are looking at the owners like, you know, these, these guys are, are destroying our livelihood. And it's like, you know. I think All things right. will start to we, melt a little bit yeah. when guys want to start working out with their trainers, when they want right. to start getting access to the team, like athletic therapists and things like that. And where they're, they're like, wait, like kids, if, they want to know where their kids are going to go to school. They want to Yeah. Whereas suddenly it's there. like, okay, well, if I have to play baseball in a month, I really need to start ramping up a proper program. And I, yeah. I really need to know what my medical options are. And I really need to know all of these things. Yeah. And I think and that, then, and that's the trick, right? Keeping the, keeping the unity through all that yeah um, exactly it's easier for the owners to, to kind of hold hold that that line at least up oh. until baseball actually is threatened you know like when the money making gets threatened the players would like to get things done sooner because yeah this it's gonna screw with their screw with their lives their actual lives <laughs> so yeah. and their, their physical ability to play so i think that there's i don't know like yeah we'll see how things start to to feel in january but yeah. i think nobody should expect anything to happen in the month of december yeah. i think Kick that's back. a very safe estimate yeah. it's going to be a bit of a long winter um yeah. and right now don't worry as we've said yeah the play- players are very unified and a lot of the a lot of the screwed up things that have gone on the past couple of years from the league and from Manfred himself have, have taken it to that point and they very much may regret that they did. But uh, for now, yeah, we're just gonna have to wait and see how it, uh, see how it plays out.
and there's not going to be much playing out. <laughs> <laughs> Literally no play. Yeah. Nothing much going oh, on. God. All right. Yeah. But all right. We'll, uh, we'll be back with another episode. I'm going to try to, I might try to get like RJ Anderson or maybe even Mr. Pessa to come on again and talk some, talk some labor strife, even though I just, I just can't right now. I just don't, I, I can't get that deep into the subject and enjoy it. It'll happen oh. though. At some point in the next couple of weeks, like, the deep reading will start and I'll, I'll really start thinking seriously again about it. But for now, yeah, I just don't, I just don't foresee any need, you know, it's just going to be a lot of, a lot of posturing for, for a good bit. Peacocking. Yep, for sure. All right. Thanks a lot for joining us folks. Um, we'll be back with you shortly. Um, I don't know, as far as the site goes, I'm probably going to pivot over to covering the farm system and writing some other stuff like that. So we'll, uh, we'll have plenty for you. Um, there just won't be much, uh, much fun as far as the major league baseball portion for a while. So um, thanks a lot for joining us, Ashley. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Good evening. All right. We'll talk to y'all later. Bye-bye. Bye.